My name is Caitlin, and I serve as Groups Director here at Infuse. But this morning, I am here to bring you the final message in our sermon series, The Games People Play, where for the last three weeks, we've been talking all about integrity and why it matters. So if you miss out on any of those messages, feel free to check them out on our website, on our app, on our Facebook page, on our app you can even listen or watch. If you're just driving in the car, you can listen along um, and catch up on all that we've been learning about integrity in our lives. Now last week we talked a little bit about how um, Daniel in the Bible showed us that we can make up our minds ahead of time about what we believe in, what we're going to hold our integrity to, and that we can do what's right despite the price. And that's what integrity is. And when we do that, we also talked about how um, it makes a difference for others around us, not just ourselves. But the big key part of last week's message was that there's going to be a price, right? Oh, we'll go back. There's going to be a price that it's going to cost us something when we choose to do the right thing, no matter what that is. There's going to be some kind of cost associated with it. And for me personally, that's where the hang-up is in some of this, right? In doing the right thing. Because even if I'm willing to pay the price, it's because I want that outcome to turn out in my favor. And I'm going to be really transparent with everyone today. There's a lot of you, so you're going to learn some secrets about me here. That um, as a child, I was a really horrible liar. And I don't mean horrible like I was a bad liar. I mean horrible like I lied a lot. A lot, and I was probably a lot like the kids in that video that we watched, Um, but I think my lies hopefully were a little better than I didn't see her draw on my face, right? Come up with a better one than that. But for me personally, I can even think of how it ranged, right, like in severity. When I was younger, it would be little things like I have a really specific memory. I just told my mom this before I am going to preach this this morning, that um, they had just gotten a brand new couch, probably like one of the first new couches that we had owned. Um, Bought it from the furniture store right off the floor. It's in our living room. And for some reason, and I think kids, like, we just don't think these things through, obviously. But I took a pair of scissors, and I just chucked it at the couch. (laughs) I got some shocking sounds in the audience for those of you watching online. And it stuck straight in there, just ripped a hole in the cushion. And so I took the scissors out, and I covered it with the pillow, (laughs) and I walked away. And later when they asked me about it, I just said, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that happened. Weird. Yeah, we have other kids at our house. They probably did it, right? Um, (laughs) So my mom just found that one out this week, too. But as (laughs) as I got older, the lies did kind of transition and change, right? There were some things that I was lying about that were probably had some bigger consequences. They definitely did um, for my own safety as well. Um, But I started to turn a corner at some point where I decided, you know, maybe that if I just told the truth, I could still get the outcome I wanted and avoid the cost of the lie, right? That when I lie and get caught, things don't end well for me as a teenager, but maybe if I just told my parents the truth that I could still get that thing that I was hoping for, that I could still go that place that I wanted to go, that I could be with who I wanted to be with if I was just honest about it. And it didn't always turn out in my favor, but probably for the better. So my PSA to all the adolescents watching today, it pays to tell the truth to your parents, so start fessing up now before you're this age, right? Um, But I think it's true for all of us that we'd be willing to pay the price of doing what's right if it meant that we would get the outcome that we wanted in the end. 
For example, maybe you find yourself in similar situations where you really want to go to that place you want to go or hang out with those people, um, but you know that if you don't tell the truth that maybe you'll still get that, and if you do, you might lose that opportunity. But if it meant you could still do that thing, we'd probably be a little more honest. Some examples of this that may be playing out in your life, um, maybe it's the in the workplace. So. You might be that workplace tattletale, the one that tells the truth um, about something that's going on that shouldn't be, and it costs you. It costs you some popularity with your coworkers, maybe some friendships, but in the end, what if you still get that bonus? You still get that raise, right? You get an outcome you desired. Or maybe you find a wallet somewhere. I feel like this had to have happened to a few people. You find someone's wallet, full of cash, right? And you're hurting for cash financially. You could probably use a few, a few bucks. But instead, you do the right thing. Despite the cost, you turn it in. And then in the end, the person gives you a reward, right? Some money. I said $100. My husband said that's unrealistic. But <laughs> you never know. They're going to maybe give you something in return. So you still get the outcome that you wanted. And I think for most of us, that if it meant, even if it meant that it cost us relationships, that it cost us financially, that we would be okay with making that sacrifice if it meant that we'd be happier in the end. I think that's true for most of us. We live in this mentality, right? Because our whole lives we've been told, be good, do what's right. That's not the hard part. We've been told that our whole lives. We know what it looks like to be good and to do what's right. But the issue is that we start to operate in this mentality of, well, if I do good things, if I'm a good person, then I'm going to receive some good as well, right? I'm going to be good so that in turn I can be blessed in my life. And I hear this a lot from people who also don't believe in Jesus or have the whole Jesus thing figured out. It's almost just like a society um, way of saying, like, I'm spiritual. I still believe in doing good things and being a good person. If it means that in the end, good things happen for me, good things happen for the people that I love, right? It can seem like silly things, like, well, if I return that wallet, then hopefully I won't have a flat tire tomorrow morning when I wake up. Um, or if I do the right thing, then I'm not going to get hurt. I'm not going to break my leg. Nothing bad's going to happen to my family. We can kind of get in that mentality. But here's the kicker for that kind of thinking is um, it doesn't always work out that way, right? Bad things still happen, right? We don't always get the outcome we desire. Relationships still end. Diagnoses still come up. All the things still happen. It doesn't always pan out the way we think it's going to. I think we've definitely all felt that in our lives at one time or another. You can be a good person. You can do all the right things. You can make the right choices. You can pay the price, but in the end, still not get the outcome that you're hoping for. And there's a lot of extremes of this feeling, right? There's some really deep extremes of like losing someone you loved, um, some dark things like that that are tough to walk through. And then the much simpler extreme that we may feel on a day-to-day -day basis as well. And to compare it to one of those simple things, um, imagine it's like that feeling you get when you don't win the raffle prize, or in this case, the Mega Millions, for those of you that were maybe hoping for that in your life and didn't get it. Um, unless you're in this room, that'd be pretty sweet too. But 
if you didn't win, you can start to feel like, hey, I did the right thing. I lived a good life. I drive the speed limit most of the time. I don't cheat in the board games. I make good choices. I pray. I'm in my Bible. But I still didn't win. Why not me? It can be difficult to see the win in all of it. So if we can make the right choice, which we've talked about, if we can pay the price, but still not get the outcome we desire, then how do we win? That's the question that we're going to be asking ourselves today. And I think that Daniel, who we were following along with in the Bible, he also kind of found himself in this situation of trying to see where the win in all of this was. Last week, we talked about Daniel. We started at the beginning of his story. So we were in our Bibles, in the chapter, uh, in the book of Daniel. And we talked about where he started, the beginning of his story. That he was an Israelite. He lived in Jerusalem. And then he was captured and taken to Babylon to serve under the king. And the Israelites, they were this group of people that were set apart, that um, God had set apart. And so Daniel himself was a pretty devout follower of God at this time, which not many people were. So he had already kind of set himself apart in that realm, but also his choices that he made. We covered some of those last week, that when he was captured and taken to Babylon to serve under the king, he held fast to those things that he believed in and to his devotion to God. Now, we are into chapter 6 of Daniel's story in the Bible. So we've skipped ahead a little bit. And so to catch you up, about 50 years has passed since that initial story. And we're about to get to the good stuff, to the stuff Daniel's most known for, the lion's den, right? The height of his story. But this happened 50 years after the initial part. So by this point, Daniel's pushing like 70 years old. So this is not the Daniel that I saw in like Sunday school or in the pictures. He's a little older. He's lived a lot of life by this point. And because of the life he lived and the choices that he made, because he chose to be a man of such upright integrity, he has now been appointed at this point in his story as an administrator to the king. So he is serving high up under the king, not just a servant like he was in the beginning, right? He's worked his way up the ladder because he's made some good choices. Um, Last time I compared Daniel to the kid in your class that raises their hand and makes more work for everyone else (laughs) by telling the truth. Um, And if that was you in school, I'm sure you're working out well now because it worked out for Daniel in the end. But it can cost you a lot. It can cost you the popularity. Others can start to turn against you a little bit. And that's what happened to Daniel. His coworkers, the administrators under him, started to feel like, hey, I think this Daniel guy has got to go. Because by this point, he's worked his way up. And not only is he just an administrator, the Bible tells us that there were like three administrators and Daniel was above the other two administrators who were above all the other people that were in the kingdom of King Darius at this point. And um, King was off golfing or going to the beach somewhere, which probably sounds familiar for some of you. Maybe like your workplace, I don't know. But that's the way that the system had worked out. So Daniel was above even the other two administrators. And they didn't like that too much. They weren't really big fans of Daniel by this point. He wasn't even from Babylon. He was from Jerusalem. So they were like, he's already an outsider. So they decided he's got to go. So they 
do what anyone does. They try to dig up some dirt on Daniel. So they decide, there's got to be some, there's got to be some flaws in this man. And so they try, and they try, and they haven't come up with anything. Surprise, surprise, right? He's lived a life of integrity. That's why we're talking about him in this message series. They decide they have to get a little more creative than just digging up some dirt. And they decide, as we see in verse 5, that they need to find a basis for charges against him. And the only way that they're going to be able to do that is if it has something to do with the law of his God. That's the only way that they're going to trip up Daniel and get him on the king's bad side, right? Because they need to get him out. So they decide that they're going to go in front of the king and they're going to offer King Darius, because by this point it is King Darius, 50 years have passed from the king that we talked about last week. And they're going to present him with an offer he can't refuse. Because even though it's a new king, he still has the king mentality that I want to be that godlike figure, um, really self-centered. He wanted people to worship him. And so they know exactly what to present him with. These administrators all agree and decide on this. And they go before King Darius, and they agree that the king should issue a decree, um, enforce some rules here that say that anyone who prays to any god or human during the next 30 days except to you, your majesty, King Darius, except to you, that they should be thrown into the lion's den. Now, also, minor detail here, King Darius, you really need to put that in writing so that it can't be changed. Because they knew what they were doing. They told this king, who is so self-centered, that, hey, man, it's going to be 30 days of King Darius up in here. We are ready to get this party started. Let's go. And he was probably just so hyped, right? He had no idea what was going on. At least that's what I imagine happening. But the men who issued this decree, they knew what Daniel was going to do. Don't you all know what Daniel is going to do, right? It's pretty predictable at this point. We know what Daniel's going to do, but for us personally, if we were in that situation, this is the point in the story where, at least for me, I don't know about you, I would start to feel like it's time to bargain. My life's on the line yet again, and I got to do something here, right? I know I've lived a lot of good life. I've made a lot of good choices, um, but something bad's about to happen. When I feel like that in my personal life, I start to bargain with my integrity, I start to give and take, like, it can't hurt just this one time, right? Um, it's okay if I just tell half the truth but not the whole truth. If it means that I get to keep my job, or if I still can have that raise, or if it means that they won't turn against me and I won't lose that relationship, we start to bargain with our integrity. But when we bargain with our integrity, it starts to become a lose-lose kind of situation because we lose our integrity and then whatever we gain from losing our integrity isn't only temporary. The money can be spent. The relationships can end. All of those things are temporary. So in the end, we lose our integrity and we also lose the thing that we gain and it doesn't feel very good. Right? When we risk it all, it's a lose-lose. And Daniel knew this because he had seen the kings come and go. 
He had seen King Nebuchadnezzar when he started, turned to King Darius, and many kings in between, I imagine. So he knew that these things were just temporary, but his God wasn't. Daniel knew something that I think few of us do. Daniel knew that you can't lose what you do. You can't lose what you do. You can't lose the actions that you take, the decisions that you make, the choices that you're faced with, the way you react to those. You can't lose that. That can't be taken away from you. And now Daniel, at this point, like I said, he's lived this life full of integrity, of devotion to God, and still he's facing his own fate with the lions, right? But again, you don't need me to tell you what he's going to do. But in verse 10, we do see that it says that Daniel, when he learned about this rule that had been published, about 30 days of King Darius, that he decides to go to his home, to his upstairs, where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. And again, if I was Daniel, I would maybe shut the windows, right? Like, I'm not about to make this so public if I'm going to do the right thing. But not for Daniel, not for this man of upright integrity. He opens the windows towards Jerusalem, towards his home, the home of God's people, so that it's very evident that he's praying to his God and not towards the king's palace. He's making it well known about what he's going to do. Now, the verse goes on to say that three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Daniel had already made up his mind. He's doing what he's always done despite the outcome that he's facing. And like I said, the men who instigated all of this, they also knew what Daniel was going to do. So by this point in the story, they go to King Darius, right? And they're like, hey, King Darius, uh, we just happened to see that Daniel posted on his Instagram story, and he's been praying, and not to you, King Darius, not to you. They rat him out, and in verse 16, we see the consequence of this. We see that the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. We knew this was coming here. Spoiler alert. He gets thrown in the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, I imagine while he's down in the lion's den, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. And I think that for some of us, um, especially those of us who are not followers of Jesus, who don't have the whole Jesus thing figured out, that you can look to some of us who seem like we have it all together, who are following Jesus in our lives, and ask that, say that same thing to us. Hey, you know that diagnosis doesn't look good, doesn't look good for you. Hope that God of yours can step up to the plate and rescue you now, right? For Christians, for non-Christians, this can be a really sticky point of following Jesus because bad things still happen. And just as there was no guarantee for Daniel in that lion's den, there's no guarantee for us. And if you were ever told at some point in your life that because you believe in God or because you're a good person that there is a guarantee for you that it'll all work out in the end, then I hate to say it, but someone probably lied to you because there's no guarantee 
There's no guarantee for us. There's no guarantee for Daniel. And it's not because we don't serve a good and faithful God, because we do. He is good, and he is faithful. But heads up, he doesn't owe us anything. God doesn't owe us anything. Because we hype him up on Sunday, right? And you might see us hyping him up, that he is good and he is faithful, and we do believe that. But although he is good and faithful, we don't deserve any of those good things, really. We kind of messed that up a long time ago. But he's still a gracious and merciful God. He still gifts us with grace every day. He gifts us with his son, Jesus, with Jesus' life so we can live this life. And he still, we still have good things that happen to us all the time. And those good things are because he is a good God. And sometimes we have huge life-changing, God-sized things that happen to us. And it's beautiful in those moments. But he doesn't owe us any of that. Because in these circumstances, we can't control what God does. We don't get to control what doors he opens and what doors he closes. We don't get to control the path that he takes to get us somewhere or how long or what that path looks like. The only thing that we get to control is ourselves. The only thing that you can control is you. You can control your actions, your reactions, and if the pandemic or the recent events in our society has taught us anything, it's that. We are not in control here, but you can control how you react, what you choose to do, and those are the things that matter. Those are the things that can't be taken away because you can't lose what you do. Right? And Daniel knew that. That's why he made the decisions that he made. Because to Daniel, despite how his fate turns out in the end in that lion's den, the actions he did can't be taken or undone, and he knows that. He knows that there's no guarantee for him. However, if you, even if you don't know this story, I think you can guess what happens next. It's like the most predictable movie. I hate watching those because you just know what's going to happen. There's no turns around the corner here. What you think is going to happen is probably going to happen in this story. So I could go on to read to you verse 20, in which King Darius goes over um, after the night is over, right? He's been down there for a while, so most likely things aren't turning out for Daniel. So King Darius goes over to the, the hole in the ground, and he says, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? He calls out to Daniel, and shocker, Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. We kind of knew this was going to happen, right? We kind of saw that one coming, because Daniel's lived this life of integrity, of course, He's going to pull through, that God's going to pull through for him. But the truth is, I could have stopped this story way back when Daniel just decided to do what he's always done. When Daniel made that choice to get down on his knees and pray to his God despite the outcome, that was the win in Daniel's story. Because does it matter that God shut the mouths of the lions for Daniel? If we're facing lions in our own lives. Is God going to shut the mouths of them for us? Does it matter? 
Because in the end, what matters is what Daniel did, that he knew from the get-go that he was just going to do what was right and do what was simple and right and follow God. He knew that ahead of time. And for some of you, your lion's den that you're in right now or maybe have been in feels really deep. Or maybe the lions that you're facing in your life are really scary. They can feel really impossible to defeat. And I see that, and God sees that. And there can still be a win in those situations, but maybe just not the win or the outcome that we so desire to see. Because if your primary concern is the outcome, you'll never see the win in the process. If your integrity is a means to a happily ever after for you, then that's not really integrity, is it? If we just want to manipulate the situation to get what we want out of it, then we're not really showing great integrity. And for those of you in this room that follow Jesus, just a little warning, we can do this in our relationships with Jesus, where we start to become less of a follower and more of a user. And I think we all know some users in our lives, people that want something from us, that want something that we have or some kind of outcome from us, instead of just loving and caring about us no matter what. And we can start to become that for Jesus if we're not careful with how we're living our lives. If our primary concern is the outcome above what God is calling us to do, above our faith, if we're looking more for that outcome, that's when we can start to become more of a user in our lives. Now, changing our viewpoint on what it looks like to win, of what that win in our lives, what winning at life looks like, that can make a huge difference. And when I heard someone explain this story, Daniel's story like this to me, that made a huge difference in how I saw things too in my own personal life. It can change how we see the world around us, how we interact with others. Because even though your personal lion's den might feel really deep and really dark, those circumstances are still, they're still gonna be scary and they're still gonna be awful, right? And I recognize that that is valid. But we can still find a win in the process. Winning at life can look like making the next right choice despite the price and staying devoted to what we believe in the process. So without even realizing it, no matter where you're at in your life, you may still be winning. There's still a win for holding on to your integrity for not compromising what you believe in despite the outcome. And imagine what that would look like in your life when you're faced with those lions and you can say, hey, no matter what happens here, I still know that I have held on to my integrity, what I believed in. I'm still a good person, I've still got that going for me and that's a win. Despite how this situation turns out, imagine how that could change your life. So, I have a surprise for you all today, and when I say I have a surprise, I mean like I really have a surprise. So if you scare easily or you don't like loud noises, this is your warning. You may want to plug your ears. Because I 
think that we need to celebrate because for most of us, you are already winning and that deserves a celebration, right? I hope I warned you enough so you didn't pee your pants or anything when that loud noise went off. I tried to really preface it for you, okay? Because you are already winning. Daniel was winning from the moment that he got down on his knees to pray. He knew his own fate, but he still got down on his knees to pray. He was winning from that moment, and so were you. And so are you. And if you aren't, you can start today. Maybe for some of you, when I talked about me more of a user than a follower, you started to think, oh, that one hits home a little. I feel that in my life. That I, my integrity is more of a means to a happily ever after. That I've been putting my outcome above the will of God in my life. And if you can admit that even to yourself, props to you, to you because that's hard. But if you find yourself in that position today, you just don't feel like you're winning right now, despite the confetti in your life, that you can start today. You can make the next right choice for you. And it doesn't always involve God. The next right choice doesn't always involve God for some of us, right? But when God is involved in our next right choice, there's a difference because those things aren't temporary. When God's involved, the outcome isn't temporary. Jesus, when he came, he said, follow me and what you gain will never be taken away. And the win to Jesus dying on the cross didn't really look like a win to everyone, right? When you're winning in this way, it's not gonna look like you're winning to everyone else around you. But it's still a win. And when you're winning with Jesus on your side, it's forever. It's a forever kind of win. It's not just those wins that be taken away, like your finances, your job, your relationship, those things, unfortunately, are all temporary. So maybe for you, the next right choice this morning um, to start winning is to take some steps, take some action in your relationship with God. Maybe you're still just exploring and getting a feel for everything, so that looks like watching some more messages with us. Maybe it looks like um, filling out your connection card, taking that step so that we can get in touch with you, you can ask us the hard questions, we can get to know each other and explore together. Maybe it looks like grabbing a faith growth guide from our welcome table and committing to read a book or listen to a podcast with us. Maybe it's joining a group when those launch this fall or serving alongside someone here at Infuse or in the community. Whatever that looks like to you, we can still make the next right choice. We can still be winning because it just matters what our win looks like, right? So as you leave today, I have some confetti poppers for you all to take with you. So yeah, parents are like, oh, I don't know about that one. That seems a little risky. So these will be on your way out. And what I want you to do is to take one with you, okay? Um, maybe one per family. I don't know if I prepared for this many people. So we'll just take one per family and then celebrate your wins, okay? Celebrate the wins in every day. Celebrate the wins even when you don't feel like you're winning, okay? And these aren't as good as the big ones. I was going to try to demonstrate. Oh. <laughs> Woo! You may have to give it a little oomph behind it. They're not as good as the big ones, but you can still celebrate those wins in your life or at least remember that on those days where you don't feel like you're winning, that you still are. Because in the end, it really just matters 
What is your win? What is a win to you? And I hope today that we've helped to change your perspective on that just a little bit. So you can find the win even when things don't seem to be working out in your favor or the way that you had planned. So as you feel comfortable, bow your heads and pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for people like Daniel and that story that have shown us what living a life of integrity can do, the difference that it can make. But God, help us, help us to remember in those times where we don't feel like remembering it, that you're still a good and faithful God. Help us to see the win despite the circumstances that are around us. Help us to remember that even if you aren't shutting the mouths of those lions in our lives right now, that there is still a win. That by following you, by taking action in our life, taking that next right step towards you, God, that that is powerful. That that can make a difference not just now, not just a temporary kind of difference, but a forever kind of difference when we have you on our side, in our hearts. Let us take that into our week. Let us confetti pop our way through life with you on our side. Help those of you that are just, those of the people listening, that they can just continue to explore, to learn, to grow, in whatever avenue that looks like to them. Just be by their side in that process. And I pray that we can just remember what a win really looks like. We pray all these things in your name, God. Amen.